Oh, I didn't realize you hit play. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 66. This is where trading cards and racing meet. I'm your pal Val. With me is the amazing Jason. Back from the disabled list. How are you? I'm doing much better now, Val. Super excited to have you back. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, King NASCAR, Logan. How are you? I'm doing fine. Howdy, everybody. Got a great show for everybody today. We're going to talk about the Xfinity Series and Cup Series winners, highest finishing rookies. We're going to talk about the 1991 Superior Medals Racing cards. If we get time, we're going to talk about some eBay auctions that Logan spotted. I'll talk about the Hickory Show. And I guess whatever else comes to mind. So, and we are fresh off of appearing on the Sports Card Nation podcast. So you can catch us on the latest show, episode 149. Super excited to be on the show. Talking NASCAR is always fun to talk NASCAR. Yeah, we were doing a little education of uh, John, kind of filling him in more on NASCAR and NASCAR cards. So if you get a chance, you can. Check us out over there. Or if you were listening to his show and you've come over to check out our show, welcome. Everybody's welcome. All right, let's jump into it. The Camping World Truck Series was off. They're actually off until the end of the month. The next race is not till October 30th. That's the United Rentals 200 at Martinsville Speedway. That's at 1 p.m. We'll talk about more in the next few weeks leading up to that, but... They're coming down to the end of their series. Currently, John Hunter Newbichek's in first, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, and Sheldon Creed. And then below the cutoff line are Stuart Friesen, Chandler Smith, Carson Hokovar, and Zane Smith. Moving over to the Xfinity Series, that was race number 29. That was the 40th annual drive for the Cure 250, and that was Saturday, October 9th. At Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course, the Roval. And I don't know if it was any surprise or not. AJ Allmendinger it was the winner. And the highest finishing rookie was Sam Mayer. Yeah, that was a gr- that was a great race. Ty freaking Gibbs was actually leading in that race for a little while, so I thought that was really good. But uh, he ended up getting punted by Sam Mayer towards the end. And then Sam Mayer ended up having his own trouble and he finished way down the list, but it was a great race. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I caught a little bit of that. You know, I guess some rookie mistakes. Those road, road courses are tough on the rookies. So, but AJ Amendinger, we've talked about him quite a bit this season, also in the Cup Cup Series. But his rookies are in 2007 in the Press Pass, Stealth, VIP, Tracks, and Wheels American Thunder. And there are a few parallels. For each of those series. One of the ones that I think are pretty cool. Is the signings. I think we've talked about Logan a few times. But oh it's American Thunder. Yeah he also has regular press pass signings as well. Yeah but the one that says. That he signed Dinger. There's 50 of those. Those would be pretty cool. To have one of those. You don't really see too much of his cards. I think there's some on Com C. I don't think they're going for much. But I'm wondering. If he can pull off a championship, I would imagine. And the way Colic Racing is running that 
You know, he might be more collectible now. Yeah, he could be, you know, because he was at Cup, in Cup at one time, and then he went back down to Xfinity, and he's done quite well in Xfinity, especially since he's hooked up with College Racing. And like we've talked about before, you know, they've got a great culture and mindset there. You know, they're they're basically just going after trophies for the most part. And I think with with that mentality, that's kind of what's got them into the uh, championship position that they're in now. Yeah, I was looking up his cards on Com C uh, as an example. His press pass stealth chrome, eighty nine cents. Tracks a dollar seventy four. Gold version three sixty five. The press pass stealth base two thirty five. So, and then the two thousand seven press pass VIP seventy five cents. So, yeah, I mean <laughs> he's got an autograph out there too from American Thunder. Um, it's seventeen ninety nine or best offer right now. So, I mean, I'm sure you could probably get it for ten twelve bucks on best offer more than likely. So, I mean, you can't beat those prices, and he's, he's got a lot of cool cards out there. And the way Colic Racing's running, you know, I, I only see them getting better. So, but that's one of the reasons why I love NASCAR. I mean, you can collect, you know, not not break the bank with any of these guys. So, no, I was just and, thinking like F1, what, what that would be in F1 dollars. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> and then our highest finishing rookie, Sam Mayer. We've talked about him a few times. But his rookie cards are in 2020. He's in 2020 Dunruss with the different versions, parallels of the rated rookie card number 18, silver and Carolina blue, orange, red number to 299, blue number to 199, green 199, purple 49, pink 25, black numbers to 21, and black trophy club to one also the printing plates one of ones with the black cayenne magenta and yellow he's also in the optic card number 13 with rated rookie and there's a hollow carolina blue version orange pulsar red mojo back in 2020 i hated that they didn't do red mojo this year and that red mojo i think was the send-off packs right last year yeah it was and that was the ones where i got a few damaged cards. And of course, one of the ones that I got damaged was, was Haley Deegan. And I sent it back to him and I hadn't got it back. So, Hey Panini, if you're listening, I'd like to get my Haley Deegan red mojo card from last year back. (laughs) (laughs) There's an optic gold number to 10 and the gold vinyl, the one optic signatures. They're either number to 99 or there's just the one gold vinyl. So those optic signatures are tough at only 99. Then in Chronicles, he's in Score, which score autograph Spectra. He's in Panini National Treasures 2020. And then he's also in 2020 Panini Prism Signing Sessions. And those are kind of tough. You have the unnumbered version, but then everything is numbered 99 or less in the 2020 Panini Prism Signing Session. So autographs seem to be a little hard for Sam Mayer in 2020. Yeah, and if you look on eBay, I mean, his rookie cards right now, his rated rookie cards from Donruss are, you know, three, four, five dollars. So, you know, I think that's a good deal right now because he's going to have a full time ride next year with JR Motorsports. And he's he's already proven that 
he's going to do well. I mean, he, he's won a race and he runs up front. So I think he's only, his stock is only going to improve. And, and if he does well next year and, you know, I, I doubt very seriously that he'll go to cup after next year. So he'll probably be down in uh, Xfinity for a couple of years, but I, I see him coming to cup, you know, in the near future. Yeah. I'm looking at com scene. It looks like there's some prospecting going on with him. His rookie, his autographs are uh 45 80 uh number to 99 and then one of the prisms i numbered uh 55 dollars so yeah and and they're quite pricey uh at least the asking prices are on ebay right now because there's actually a uh gold vinyl one-on-one autograph that somebody's got 1495 dollars best offer for that which you know i don't think it's nearly worth that much but it's still a cool card this might be somebody to kind of look for at the card shows and maybe be able to get a better deal than out on ComC or eBay. So, yeah, I would, I, I'd agree with that. And I really like Sam Mayer. If you're a listener of the show, you know why uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a great, he's a great, great kid. And uh, I'm a fan. I'll have to uh, put him down on my list to look for at the shows. So, and our next race, race number 30, Texas Motor Speedway. That's the Andes Frozen Custard 335. That's Saturday, October 16th at 3 p.m. Stages are 45, 45, 110 laps for 300 miles. And our playoff standing so far after the Charlotte Roval, A.J. Amendinger, Austin Centric, Justin Allgaier, Noah Graskin, and below the cutoff line, Daniel Hemrick, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, and Brandon Jones. I don't know if there's any surprises in there right now, but there, there's really not. I think that's kind of what we expected to see. We haven't any, had any upsets or anything really crazy go on, so it's. It, I'd say that's that's to be expected. Then moving over to the Cup Series, with all the drama. That was race. <laughs> that was race number thirty-two. That was the sixty-second annual Bank of America Roval Four Hundred. That was Sunday, October tenth, at Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course. Kyle Larson gets the win. Our highest finishing rookie is Chase Briscoe at position twenty-two. I don't know if I mentioned about Sam Mayer, but he had finished uh, position ten. By the way, okay. If you're keeping track at home, Kyle Larson, man, that was one of those races and that this was a cutoff race. And this is why NASCAR went to this format. But if you're a Chase Elliott fan like me, everything was in play. You know, Kevin Harvick kind of either got into the corner and forced Chase Elliott to hit the corner and just like tore the back of that car off. And I just, just, couldn't believe it that that happened and that he, you know, was below the cut line with William Byron winning. And so if William, because William Byron was leading the race. And so if he had won it, they were positioned the points where like, if he won, then uh, he was below the cut line. So it was bumping other people off. And it, it was a lot of drama, a lot of excitement and a lot of people were on edge Kevin Harvick fans, Kyle Busch fans, Chase Elliott fans. Yeah, the 
the in-car audio from Kevin Harvick's car uh, told the, the tale that, that I think everybody knew already. Uh, as they were going through that turn, you could hear Kevin Harvick accelerate very quickly to get up to Chase Elliott and and spin him out. So, you know, to me, it was intentional. No, no doubt. It, that was payback for uh, Harvick not winning at Bristol. So I guess he thought he, he would, you know, try to uh, teach, I guess, the little punk or whatever he wanted to call him a lesson. And I was I was like you, Val. I was not happy with that. I was pretty ticked because uh, as they came out of that that turn and were coming back onto the uh, the main track, Chase Elliott was still ahead of him. And, <laughs> and Chase Elliott was going to cut it to the left and try to hit Harvick. And when he did, he cut and he he was he went right in front of another car. So his uh, his evil plan of trying to take Harvick back out didn't work and Harvick went on. So uh, we can talk about what happened later, but I thought that was kind of funny in a way, but I was, I was like you, Val, I was very upset about what had happened to Chase. It, then he you know, comes in the pit and they're getting out the big pieces of uh, tape to <laughs> hold that back bumper on, you know, and it, they were talking about possibly having to either black flag him because that, <laughs> that, back of the car was flapping eventually it came loose and caused a caution and even trying to fill the gas tank the guys had to reach under there i think and try to get the gas tank uh, pipe right so that the can would dispense fuel to it so chase elliott hung in there and everybody was waiting until chase elliott and kevin harvick would meet again on the track <laughs> And so now they're calling Chase the Intimidator. And for those who didn't watch, Chase has was catching up to Kevin Harvick going into the first turn. And I think Kevin was watching his rearview mirror the whole time and not realizing what he, where he was. And he locked up. He slammed on the brakes not to go. Because that first turn, if you remember, I guess it was a few years ago, Brad Keselowski went flying into that first turn and everybody just followed him into it. Uh, it's pretty sharp. And so Kevin Harvick was slammed on the brakes, trying not to hit it. But when he did that, he also locked up the steering so he couldn't steer. And he plowed into it and took himself out at that first turn. So Chase never even got to touch him. So that was basically the end of Kevin Harvick's day right there. So, Yeah, I thought it was karma. <laughs> I mean, I really did because, you know, they're, 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 they're heading into that first turn, making a big left hand on that on that turn. And there's Chase Elliott coming up right behind Kevin Harvick. And like you said, I know Kevin Harvick was looking back going, oh, my God, no. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. And, and he wasn't paying any attention. And he plowed right. He locked it up and plowed right into that tire barrier. And, and, and I, I jumped up. I was watching it. And I was cheering because I'm going, ah, that's you got what you deserved, dude. You got exactly what you deserved. I mean, it wasn't a little bump. He, he like caved in the front half of his car and you know it was like he was done for the day so i you know again i think he, there was a couple of memes out there where uh, he was <laughs> watching the river mirror and not and not uh watching where he was going so yeah i think it was karma or whatever it was but uh when it was all said and done you know a few of the big drivers got knocked out of and eliminated from the playoffs so we went down from 12 to 8 yeah, um, 
<laughs> it was funny after the race, they were interviewing Kevin Harvick. And I threw the BS flag on this one when he said this. They asked him about, you know, did you see Chase coming? And uh, he said, he said, no, well, no, not really. I goes, I was just trying to get a couple of my positions. I had lost a couple of positions and I was trying to get them back. So he, I, I mean, dude, just tell it like it is because you're freaking lying. It was just so so it's so it's such a blatant lie because you know what he was doing. You know he realized his butt was about to get wrecked and he lied about it on national TV in an interview. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was all happening back in the pack, and then up front we had Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, and William Byron Byron running, you know, for the win, and they were all getting pretty aggressive up there, and and William Byron. And uh, tangled with with some other cars, and because uh, if he would have won, that would have jumbled the standings as well, since he was below the cut line. But uh, Kyle Larson kind of made it through and uh, was the winner of that race. Yeah, uh, he he came back from a lot of adversity. He really did. So we've talked about Kyle Larson's cards before in 2013 Press Pass Fanfare. 2013 total memorabilia and those cards seem to be very scarce right now i don't know yeah. what those print runs were back in 2013 but it doesn't seem like there's much out there no there's not i guess when uh when he wins if he win he wins the championship some of them will pop out but i didn't really see any at the show don't really see any online i think there was one on com c but it was like 60 bucks for the gold version of the 2013 fanfare. I mean, um, total memorabilia. You talk about the, that's the base one. Uh, yeah. The gold version. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that it's worth 60 bucks, but it may be worth 30 or 40. Yeah, definitely. And you don't see any of that wax, which we've talked about before. So, and then our highest finishing rookie was Chase Briscoe, which we've talked about before. Uh, quite a bit since it's Chase Briscoe and Anthony Alfredo running for Rookie of the Year Canada. So uh, 2018 are the Chase Briscoe first cards. Next race, Texas Motor Speedway, Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 at Sunday, October 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Stages are 105, 210, 335 laps for 501 miles. And our playoff standings going into Texas, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney. And then below the cut line, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and Brad Keselowski. And eliminated from the playoffs, Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell, William Byron, and Alex Bowman. Yeah, and you know, I went back and looked. I thought my my grid was right Uh you know, from you know what we had done before the, the playoffs started, and I I have the exact eight in here right now, so I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, these next three races, uh, basically we have four weeks left, three races, and then our final four will race for the championship at Phoenix. So Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and Brad Keselowski, they have to uh, step it up and try to knock, I'm assuming it's going to be Martin Truex or Ryan Blaney out. 
with Kyle Larson with 4,065 points. He basically has 35 points more than Denny Hamlin, which is the beneficiary of winning all those stages during the season. So, and races. Mm-hmm. And that's why you do it. As Martin Truex will tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, going into Texas this coming week though, Kyle Bush is the, um, current active wins leader there. He's got four wins. So the, this is his prime opportunity to, to get, you know, get to the to final four. So hopefully he can pull that out and do that. Um, you know, I, I'm a Kyle Busch fan. I think, you know, a lot of people out there are, but there's a lot of people out there that are not, but also Kevin Harvick has won three times there. And so has Denny Hamlin. So let I me mean, look for those guys. To, to do well as well. Right. So any anybody wins these next three races, they are guaranteed to be one of the final four at Phoenix. So this is it. Yep. Four races to go. Is it theoretically possible to win the championship and not actually win one race all season? I don't think you can do that now with the point system the way it is because Kyle Larson has that pretty big cushion by winning the stages and and also wins so right. he's got a, a lot of yeah he's got a huge gap so you would have to year. so you'd have to win go into the finals with by points and the way to do that would be winning stages so you'd win all the stages but not win the race so i guess it's possible but i don't think technically i think you you're gonna have to win a race in the playoffs yeah, with the old point system, you could have done it very easily. You could finish second all the time and, and win the championship. Right. Just be yeah. consistent. And I think that's one of the reasons why NASCAR went to – was it Kurt Busch or Matt Kenseth that year? That it's got, all Matt Kenseth's, Matt Kenseth's thought, fault. It's all his fault. And so the following year, they kind of came up with this playoff. You win and you go to the advance to the next round. Mm-hmm. So every one of these next four races or three races to get into that last race is going to be a nail biter. Chase Elliott, all the Chase Elliott fans, you know, he's below the cut line. So of course it's the uh, last spot is 40, 24 and uh, Kyle Busch is at 40, 23, Chase Elliott 22 and Joe is 13. So it's, it's tight right there for those last spots. So, but you got to win to be in looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's very tight. I mean, you're right. Truex, well, gosh, when you look at it, Denny Hamlin's 40-30, 40-29 for Truex, 40-24 for, for Blaney, 40-23 for Kyle Busch, 40-22 for Chase Elliott. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a few finishing positions was going to make all the difference in the world. Kyle Larson's looking, you know, as long as he doesn't have any major issues, he, he's good. It's going to be tight for the rest of them. So I'm super pumped for Texas. Yeah, I like the Texas track. It's a mile and a half track. Uh, I actually went to the very first race there in 1997. Um, it had rained there, I think, the two days before, and they didn't have all the parking, you know, finished there. It was pretty much parking in mud. Because you know, there wasn't any grass or anything, so it was that part was terrible. But you know, the race itself was was great because Jeff Burton won. 
But the coolest thing that I remember about that race is really not even race related. Um, it was coming back because we drove back that night back to Memphis from from Dallas. So it was it was a long drive. But it, anyway, it was you know in the middle of the night, and that was during the time that that the Hellbop Comet was was visible. And I don't know if anybody remembers that that comet, but when we were out in the middle of nowhere that thing was so bright and it was so beautiful to see. It was unlike the way you look at it, you know, living in the city because of all the city lights. Uh, so, I, you know, I just, that just sticks out in my mind how cool that was. That was pretty neat. Well, yeah, get away from the city, all those lights, <laughs> a lot of stars show up. Yeah, it was, it was awesome to see that like that. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And I doubt I'll ever see anything like that again. Yeah. I don't think that thing comes around. Only a few hundred years. Yeah, I don't think I'll make it till then. Uh, switching over to the F1, I was totally wrong. I don't know why I had the wrong date on that, but the 2021 Rolex Turkish Grand Prix happened Sunday, October 10th at Istanbul Park at Istanbul, Turkey. Our winner was Valtteri Bottas. Max Verstappen came in second. Lewis Hamilton came in fifth. Yeah, Verstappen take, is taking the lead in the championship points. And, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton came from 11th up to 5th. But that just kind of goes to show you what we've talked about before. I mean, if you're not in the top one or two, maybe three starting positions in Formula One, chances are you're probably not going to win because uh, Bottas started on the pole and he won the race. And Verstappen started second and he came in second. With Bottas, he has 340 2020 trading cards. A quick look. Uh, he has a 2020 Sports Illustrated for Kids card. And then he also has 2020 Topps Chrome Formula One. That looks like about 10 different cards in that set. But I think the one people are probably going after is card number two. And there's a ver image variation on that as well. Uh, there are a ton of parallels for the Topps Chrome. He's also in the Topps Dynasty Formula One, and also Topps produced stickers for F1. So he's in the 2020 Topps F1 official stickers, and it looks like he's got about 10 cards in that as or stickers in that as well. There's a 2020 Topps now Formula One card. That's card number five with a print run about 909. And then also in the tops, Turbo Attacks Formula One cards, which is, if you're not familiar with that, it's a little card game. And it's about 10, 15 in there as well. So lots of cards for Bottas in 2020. And then to your point, Logan, Max Verstappen is currently the points leader over Lewis Hamilton by six points. And that's definitely going to go down to the wire so next race october 24th at 3 p.m that's the united states grand prix that's at the circuit of americas in austin texas yeah that's where the the cup drivers cup race was earlier this year and that was their first time there and of course uh it rained the whole time and it was it was it was a tough race but uh, they've got it back on the schedule for next year so hopefully uh it'll be redeemed and, and there won't be any rain. So we got uh, 
I guess, two weeks for that one. So they're, they're in a little bit of a break. And moving over to our next segment, the 1991 Superior Racing Medals set. But the Racing Medals Silver Edition, I found a little ad for that Superior performance. Um, basically, it says, take a trip to Victory Lane. Racing Medals is a 12-driver limited edition set photo engraved on metal each driver comes in his own personalized presentation wallet each driver is numbered and has a numbered certificate of authenticity the fully authorized set will be released two drivers at a time and drivers will be released approximately every six weeks and it's limited to 10,000 silver edition sets uh, this ad here shows a complete set of 240 dollars postpaid they're cool-looking cards. Like I said, it's a 12-card set. Some of the drivers in there, I mean, with Derek Cope, Bill Elliott, Harry Gant, Bobby Hamilton, Ernie Irvin, Sterling Marlin, Mark Martin, Phil Parsons, Kyle Petty, Richard Petty, Ken Schrader, and Daryl Waltrip. So the big thing sticking is that Dale Earnhardt Sr. is not in this list. It's a pretty cool little set. I was to say, the Richard Petty looks pretty cool. I could definitely see uh, you know, getting one of those, trying to get one of those autographs. And the fact that it's numbered on the back of them. Uh, this one that I took a photo from for us to look at from Com C shows Richard Petty item produced by authorization of Corporate Images Incorporated. Yeah, they made, they made 10,000 of those things, too. That. Even back in 1991, that was a lot. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I think so. I, I think mean, for 91, that's low. Mm, that's a lot of cards, though. I mean, when you're talking about things that Classic did and Superior Rookies, and I think the 10,000 is not, like, super low, but I'll go mid. I don't think it's, like, super high, but what were these going for around that time and even a few years after because – I just found an eBay listing for a whole set, and it's so this said complete set was two hundred forty post paid. So basically, like twenty dollars a, a a metal card, right? And but what about the market? Aftermarket? Yeah, I don't know. Let me look at up one of the price guides real quick. Well, I can tell you from my standpoint is I really didn't collect many of those. In fact, I only have one. It was Bill Elliott that I got back then just because I was a big Bill Elliott fan. Um, but to me, it seemed back then, you know, $20 a hit was, was kind of pricey. Yeah. It almost seems like something that you would see on like QVC or Home Shopping Network or something like that with the way it has that little wallet billfold and the metal. And Yeah. You know, one thing about these cards too, they are black and white. They're not color. And they, they have rounded corners for the metal cards. I guess they didn't want to have people using them as ninja stars or anything like that, throwing them <laughs> with, with sharp corners. They look just like a press plate. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, they were press plates before press plates were cool or cooler. So I'm looking at the November 1991 issue of Collector's World, and basically they, they said – that cards sell for $20 each, basically. Shown here is the first metal cards ever released on a NASCAR driver. They're now being produced by Superior Performance Incorporated. The first two cards released were 
Sterling Marlin and Bill Elliott. And I'm assuming going in this order, Derek Hope and Ken Schrader were next. Richard Petty and Bobby Hamilton were the next group. So they're just showing so far the six. But you think about it, you know, $20. And what was a box of cards probably back then? $20? No, I mean, probably a dollar a pack, you know. You're going to spend. That's fair. Thirty, you know, thirty-six dollars for a for a box of cards, probably back then. So I guess it was a little high, but I, but prices now have definitely come down. I think the Richard Petty is probably the most expensive. So there is a completed auction, well, completed listing. It was a best offer accepted for less than ten dollars plus shipping for the entire set. Wow, that's a good deal. Yeah, that's a good deal. That tells you tells you how the market has changed over the right. years. Yeah, this might be something, you know, if you're inclined for it, is, you know, keep an eye out at the shows. I mean, this is where you're going to, you know, pick up deals at where you know something about the cards that the dealer might not know about. Again, something like this, though, price-wise, is what I'm saying is being negotiable. And you might be able to, you know, pick it up. Might be, you know, don't want to do it for the $20 a card, but definitely... You can you can pick it up. I have to keep an eye out because if I can pick up a set cheap enough, they might have to go through the mail and get some autographs. Yeah, I think these things will look great autographed. And it no kind of goes back corners. to what you said because we said about them looking like press plates and they're black and white, and you get a blue sharpie or whatever on there, and that autograph would really pop. I was, I think we were all thinking the same thing. So you would say blue. I was thinking maybe silver. I don't think you would see it, Val, if it was silver. Hmm. Or gold. I would even go maybe paint pen, but like I've had a couple press plates signed before with blue Sharpie and it worked really well. I'm just assuming these are like pretty much the same material, but we'll have to get some and, and try it out. Yeah, the, the gauge of the metal is not is not very is it's not very thick. I mean if you look at it you can see they're, they're they're like press plates so you think through the mail they'd get bent up or do you think they would be all right i mean, I mean you deal with the cards them. how often do the cards get bent up well i think that they have a little more give and take than where, it's true. It's where true. they might get dented and so would you send it logan would you send it in a top loader or would you send it just without the holder and, and by itself I'd, I'd put it in a top loader for sure uh, because, like you said, I, I agree with the statement that the cards are a little bit more flexible because if these things get bent, you know, now talk about a crease. <laughs> That'd be a big crease. The only issue with sending in the top loader is those horror stories where the person's not paying attention and they sign the top loader and not the card. I've had that happen, but... They did sign both. They signed a top loader. Well, and then, there you go. And then <laughs> they, they took it out. I think it was Marcus Ambrose. Well, you know, these cards, none of them, PSA doesn't grade metal cards. So the, there's none of these graded by PSA. So, you know, and the other thing about them too is, you know, they are susceptible to, to being scratched pretty easy. That's, that's the only drawback I can think of, really. So, Logan, I don't know, put you on the spot, whatever, but were these were people collecting these or was this kind of a very small niche market because we talk about having regional sets uh 
I would have to say it was kind of a niche. I mean, it wasn't anything that I was really going after, you know, because I'm more of a of a of a cardboard kind of guy. So I mean, they had they had nice eye appeal to me, and that's why I got the Bill Elliott, but I didn't get any more of them. And like I said, it's been 30 years, and that's the only one I've ever bought. So, you know, that, that's probably another reason why you can get a set of them for 10 bucks these days. So I know there were other metal cards. Was it an oil company or was gas? Yeah, I think it was Gant Oil, G-A-N-T. I think it's two T's maybe. Or I may be thinking wrong. But it was Gant Oil, if I remember correctly. Well, those are actually... <laughs> I remembered it. <laughs> and actually, you know, looking that up, so Gant Oil was actually 93, 94. So these were actually before then. Yeah, no no affiliation to Harry Gant. Every once in a while, I'll get inquiries about metal cards. You know, they're, they're kind of limited with, you know, whatever it is, 10,000, 20,000. While, you know, the Gant... Oil cards are in color. These were black and white. So it's interesting to see the progress. You know, NASCAR with, you know, the first relic cards, you know, these metal cards in 91. I don't know when baseball had metal cards, but it seemed like in NASCAR they were trying a lot of different stuff before other sports. Yeah, they were. Uh, you know, NASCAR was kind of a, pioneer in a lot of this stuff you know especially like what you just said about the uh memorabilia cards you know because press pass was the first ones to do that i had somebody at the show they were talking about they were they were buying a lot of 96 i think it was vip trying to get some of those some of those memorabilia cards he said he had his whole trunk full of them, his them from his wife but wow. he had opened boxes after boxes after boxes and never got one of those those cards, so yeah, I only ever pulled one of them. It was Mark Martin. It's a good one to pull. It was a good one to pull, and I was excited about it too because it wasn't like you know these days and times where you're guaranteed X number of hits per box. I mean, you were guaranteed X number of hits maybe per case or cases. You you just didn't get those. Those things just didn't you know pop up out of the packs like they do now. Right. Well, we'll switch over to any more questions or anything else you want to guys want to talk about the superior metals. It's a cool little set. If you can get it for a cheap price, you might want to consider adding it to your collection as well as, you know, let us know if you do any of those through the mail. Be really curious to see how those turn out. So but we can switch gears over to eBay auctions if you want, Logan. Sure. Yeah, I was kind of looking through eBay auctions today, completed auctions. And um, I saw a lot of 1972 STP cards. I won't say a lot because there's really not a lot out there, but there were four of them that closed on October 1st through the 2nd. Uh, the biggest one was a Richard Petty, and it had a buy it now of $1,249.99. And somebody went click and bought it now for it was raw, ungraded. It looked pretty good to me. I didn't really, uh, you know, zoom in on the corners or anything, but from a distance, that card looked pretty good. So I don't know how it would grade. Um, you know, I'm sure it'd probably be, you know, it might be a seven or an eight, who knows? 
but that's pretty strong for an ungraded 72 stp richard petty 1200 and basically 1250 bucks then there were some other ones that also sold they were richard brooks and all these were buy it now um again they were all ungraded and it sold for 289.99 and also a charging charlie glotzback also sold for 289.99 then the fourth one that sold the next day on the second was a bobby allison which for those of you who have listened to us and have collected these cards you know that the bobby allison is a super short print along with uh, fred lorenzen with this car and that card also had a, like again a buy it now for seven hundred dollars if i had seen that i probably would have bought it uh because that's one of the two that i need i need the fred lorenzen with the car and bobby allison but I thought that was really good. I, I think actually think whoever got that for 700 bucks got a good deal uh, in these days and times, especially given the rarity of that card. So I thought that was neat. And then I also saw uh, a card that closed yesterday. It was a 2020 Panini Chronicles Select Chase Elliott uh, one of one gold vinyl card. And uh, it was raw and it went for four hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents we got all these things in it in 99 but that's that's pretty impressive on its own right there you know 500 bucks for a chase elliott one-on-one autograph from last year that's i like that that's amazing and then actually something closed today which you know we're we're actually <laughs> we're taping this on wednesday night and um uh, it was a 1996 scoreboard Dale Earnhardt uh, autographed PSA encapsulated and autograph graded. Both the card and the autograph were a nine. And that thing went for $750 on buy it now. So, again, wow. that was pretty cool. So I'm looking at the uh, STP cards that you're talking about. And I'm kind of poking around at the seller, the buyer and all that. The same person, same buyer, bought the Petty, the Brooks, and the Allison. Wow. Which is kind of odd to me, which somebody bought three of the four, so they, I'm assuming they must have already had the other one. Um, but for them to be sold around the same time, the feedback has already been left, which is how I was able to tell. Yeah, I guess people working on that set, and they know either to grab them, Right. And to like Logan's point, you know, at any price, because you might not see them again. Uh, you know, the Allison shows up maybe a few times a year at best. Yeah, maybe twice a year. I, you just don't hardly see it. And the, friend, the Fred Lorenzen next to the car shows up every five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say the Brooks and the Glossbach, those don't show up that often, but they do show up. Yeah, they're much more common than than the the Allison for sure. I think it's the Buddy Baker's the more common one. Well, going back to July nineteenth, if you just type in on eBay nineteen seventy two STP, there are only ten, maybe eleven. I forget what I counted, but ten completed list, like ten sold listings. So going back three months now to only have 10 listings that's that's unheard of for trading cards now 
They are tough, and the people who have them do not want to sell them. Well, you know, I like that word unheard of because it's kind of unheard of to see that many of those, too, these days. Because it wasn't until the pandemic that we started seeing some of these things come out of the woodwork because Val right. and I have have we look for these things constantly and we would go months without seeing any at all. And then one or two might pop up here and there. You you would be lucky to see three or four in a year. I mean, they just didn't show up. And then all of a sudden prices go through the roof. People that have them and been sitting on them going, oh gosh, it's time to sell. So they're chunking them on eBay. Yep. So we're seeing a lot more now. And it's not even like, Oh, we've seen 10 petties and seven, like we're talking 10 total from the whole set. So yeah, those things definitely scarce. One thing I saw at the Hickory show is that there's still some bargains out there. I had, was talking to a gentleman who had come up. He had found some Uno cards. Uh, he was able to pick up the Richard Petty, Bobby Allison and Daryl Waltrip, the three for 40 bucks, which they were ungraded, but I thought he got that was a steal. They should have called the police. Just got robbed. <laughs> yeah, it was a steal. So that's just one of the observations I saw. There was a box of eighty or box or two of eighty nine max for about four hundred and seventy five hours. I think one of them sold. I had a gentleman. Uh, come up and was talking where he was collecting 88 max and 89 max. Uh, Cause I was talking about, you know, if he was going to open them to grade or if he was going to open them or just, you know, leave them sealed that, you know, which we've talked about before the toolbox is where you want if you're getting stuff graded. Um, but I think he was just wanting to have them. So uh, 88 max boxes were about 350. And then the 2018 prism, about 250 275 a box for the hobby. Those are the Haley Deegan rookies. That's actually not too bad, I don't think, you know, given the current environment. Yeah, because I think on the big three, they're like $300 a, a box for 2018 Prism Hobby. And then there's, and I don't think there's any on eBay. So that has really dried up lately. So. Yeah, it makes you wonder if there's, you know, there's if there if there is somebody out there sitting on a bunch of them, and you know, you know, how many do they have? I mean, you know, I'm not in the position to to spend that kind of money and to sit on those kind of things. You know, I'd have to sell some of them. So either there's a lot of people sitting on them, or there's like you said, Val, they're just dried up. I think they're drying up. I think people are opening them. Like the 2016 Prism, where we have the one box for sale, I think, by one of the big three for like $800. I would have thought more would have come out if somebody was sitting on them. I think they're just getting used up. They only, you know, there's only so much. And we talked about, or we had mentioned before, that we know that 2016 Prism was the least amount printed for racing. And then 2018, and they progressed as these years have progressed. Panini's been printing more per print run. So in 2018, not a lot's out there, just like 2016. Yeah, I remember, they took a break that one year too, right? So from 2016, they jumped 2017. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, we we heard all that from uh, from Tim Trout at Panini. He had told us that you know we we because we had mentioned we thought that they didn't print as much this past year, and turns out that he said no, that's that's not true. You know, every year we've, we our production numbers have gotten you know have gone up steadily. Yeah, because I had heard a rumor that 2019 Prism was somewhat short printed, but that was um, debunked. Yep, sure was. We heard it straight from the horse's mouth, so that was that was that was good. I think we have a few more weeks until 2021 Prism comes out. I think that's the first week of November. I don't know if anything's been released yet on any release calendars yet, but yeah, I think I was looking on was it was it maybe Sports Card Daily or somebody's? I was looking at somebody's release calendar that they have for you know it has everybody's releases for every sport and every every non-sport and everything that's being released. And I didn't see anything about NASCAR, uh, you know, the, the prism or national treasures at all on those, on that list. You know, I saw everything else known to man, including, you know, the upcoming F1 releases, but I didn't see anything with the NASCAR. So, you know, I don't know if they just hadn't updated or uh, maybe the dates have slipped again. I don't know. We'll have to have to inquire and find out, but we should be hearing something soon about the release date. So, yeah, I sure would love to see some checklists, see who they've got. That is going to be the next big thing to see if we our buddy Ty freaking Gibbs <laughs> in a Prism twenty twenty one. Smiling, Jason. <laughs> Well, at least we know that it's not getting canceled because we see pictures of cards all the time, and that's what I was actually thinking. And then Ty freaking Gibbs came up, so kind of caught me off guard because I keep every time we record, I look for it, and I cannot find it as far as any sort of release. And that's what I was doing right now, release date. Yeah, so I guess it's not just just the site I was looking at. Then sounds like everybody has no information. <laughs> Well, maybe well, maybe Val needs to get a hold of some of his contacts at Panini and find out for us. Well, that's what my contact had told me, so I'm taking yeah. them till it changes. But I don't know if we have anything else more, but I want to give a shout-out to the folks in California that are downloading the show in North and South Carolina, Illinois, and New York, and all the great people in Ontario, Belgium, and United Kingdom. Yeah, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of people from out of the United States. And, and I, I love that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So shout out to everybody out there. We really appreciate it. Again, if you guys have questions, you can always find me at NASCAR radio on Twitter and also at NASCAR radio on Instagram. Yeah, I do have one more thing. Um, this past Monday, um, I got a call from Kevin glue who writes the articles for the SMR for PSA. And, uh, he called me and was asking me questions about Formula One and Lewis Hamilton. So I found out that they're going to have a racing issue in the December SMR. Uh, I think it's probably going to be more focused on Formula One, but I'm hoping there's going to be some NASCAR in there. But he, he was just asking me about you know my thoughts on Lewis Hamilton and the rise in the you know, uh, prices of his cards and all of that. So I had a nice little discussion with him on, on Monday evening and 
they're gonna I, you know i don't know what all he's gonna write about it but he he did tell me that this the article he was focusing on was for lewis hamilton uh and you know it wasn't just you know just racing as a whole it was definitely just for lewis hamilton so we'll see what all they have you know they may have some other stuff in there uh, i don't know but that is the only thing i know so look look for that if you guys are uh members of the psa collectors club uh you'll get your smr and you'll you'll see racing so that's going to be cool I, i'm glad to see that psa is actually doing something with racing that's that's a, that's good to hear you never have too much racing in the smr uh no it's been a been years i think since we've had some nascar racing in there yeah it's been quite quite a few years because i remember the last smr they had a uh, Jeff Gordon's car was on the cover, and that's when Jeff Gordon was still uh, driving his uh, rainbow car. So yeah, it tells you how long long ago it's been. That has been a while. Anything else, gentlemen, before we wrap up? Well, do you want to mention John's show again? Yeah. You can catch us on Sports Card Nation podcast this week. I believe it drops the same day we drop on Friday. You can check us out with a little question and answers with John. Yeah, you'll get to see our smiling faces and you'll see why we, well, I'll say me, you see why I have a face made for radio. <laughs> I don't think they'll get to this week. I think, nope. didn't he say he, he wasn't going to do video because he was having connection issues? Oh, so that's right. He must have known how bad your face was and didn't want to do video. This <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I broke the internet. <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, I guess it could be segue. Yeah, we're you know we're thinking about going to a video show, so as well yeah. as a podcast. In <laughs> so. fact, we go ahead, y'all. Good. I was just going to say, hey, if if uh, we'd like to hear everybody's thoughts on what you think about us, you know, doing a a video, a live video show, or maybe even a tape video show. I'm not sure what Val wants to do. This is his baby, so uh, I'll do whatever he wants to do. But uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think. Yeah, I think video might we might be able to show some of these cards that we talk about and then just take the audio feed to the podcast as well for all those who enjoy the podcast. So, yeah, let us know. We're always you know looking to do whatever we need to do to help educate collectors and share information on NASCAR trading cards and on the others as well, the other racing subjects, IndyCar and F1. Well, we can leave it there for tonight. Don't forget also to check out the archives. Uh, like if you're looking for, we talked about the 1972 STP. If you need more information about that, show number 29, 1983 UNO, show number 31. Also on show 31 is the 1985 Sports Star Photographic Stickers. Uh, 1988 Max, show 38 and 39. The 1989 Max, show number 48. But thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much. If you have any suggestions or anything, let us know. Please like and share the podcast. Share NASCAR trading cards with your friends. And for me and the guys, we will talk to you next week. Have a great week.